all of those things I can take like years and years and years to master. It's like you kind of get a head start because you get to see what they're doing and then adapt them yourself. Welcome to the Step Into Clarity podcast. I'm your host, Marissa, founder of Quilling Co. and mentor of other designers just like you. Step into clarity with me as I have candid conversations about both the growth and the goof-ups of navigating this wild ride of online business. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Step Into Clarity podcast. In this week's episode, I sit down and chat with Lizzie Colombo. She started her business as a white label freelancer and is now the owner and lead designer of White Point Creative, which is a boutique creative agency that specializes in brag worthy brand identities and custom show websites for lifestyle brands and wellness entrepreneurs. During our talk, we talk about why white labeling could be a good fit for you how it can save you years of work when you're starting, and how she learned the important lessons to speak up, just ask, and to go for it. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Step Into Clarity podcast. I'm so excited to have Lizzie here with me today. Lizzie is all about doing white label design and doing freelancing for other designers. So I'm so excited to pick Lizzie's brain all about white label design and freelancing. Thanks so much for being here with me, Lizzie. Of course. I'm so excited to dive in. Yay. What is white label design and who do you think is a good fit for it? Great question. So I think it helps if we kind of divide freelancing from white labeling. So freelancing is when you are presenting yourself as either yourself. So like, I'm just a designer. My name is Lizzie (laughs) or your own like entity. So like, that DBA you maybe go under or like that full LLC business. And what's happening is you're working for different clients and brands and businesses on a temporary basis. Pretty simple. White labeling is a type of freelancing. So when you white label, you are adopting the identity of your employer's brand while you fulfill that project for one of their clients. So for that project, you are part of the employer's team, you will complete their work under their name. So sometimes for like any confusion, I like to think of that like high school geometry principle where all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. So in our terms, (laughs) all white labeling is freelancing. But not all freelancing is white labeling. Who do you think white labeling is a good fit for? If they're already doing freelancing or want to step into freelancing, how would they know that white label would be good for them? Yeah, so freelancing, white labeling, like it's really good for any type of creative, right? Copywriter, UI, UX, graphic designers. It's so good for those creatives who want to take on maybe one or multiple projects to boost their income, add some really great projects to their portfolio and like gain really valuable experience that you might not be able to gain like just working like maybe for yourself or where you are currently. So a few perks that a lot of freelancers love is like not has not having to hassle with admin work. So like the invoicing and all the marketing, like some of those back end things are like all business owners know take hours. <laughs> um, Definitely. As well, yeah, like as well as not having to deal directly with clients. I know multiple freelancers who are like, I don't want to deal with them. <laughs> They're like, I need a wall, a buffer. <laughs> well, 
when you work for someone else, they are that buffer. Um, they are managing that client. You get to focus on what you do best, being creative. And then there's also the perk of having a premium rate that you get to charge. So really the beauty of freelancing lies in its simplicity. I love that. I did some white labeling when I started designing, when I was having trouble finding my own clients and like, mm -hmm kind of just figuring out how to run a business too. It was just like, ah, what do I do? <laughs> so doing white label work was, I loved it. I'm always like, man, that was so much fun. Cause I kind of got a peek behind the scenes of other people's design mm. studios too. And got to just do like the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so true. I loved like the low pressure of not having to talk to clients. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like you said, it's a great way to be able to like take a peek behind the curtain of like major brands or like other agencies and studios. Like you said, like if you're kind of like, man, I want to run my own this or I want to start my own this. It's like a great way peek into like how do they organize their files? Like there's a million ways to do that. How do they send things off to clients? How do they run presentation all of those things I can take like years and years and years to master it's like you kind of get a head start because you get to see what they're doing and then adapt it for yourself yeah totally I'm always like a big fan of getting paid to learn instead of <laughs> <laughs> paying to learn yeah that's kind of like how I started with design so I don't I kind of think of like white labeling kind of similar yes um, yes like instead of taking design course or paying to see the peaks behind someone's design business, you get to like actually work for them and get that real life knowledge about it. Yeah, definitely. So when someone's getting started, I feel like pricing in general is a really big question for people. Like how do I price my services? I know when, when I was doing white labeling, it was even harder for me to like figure out how to price things. I was kind of like the middleman sort of. What are some tips that you would give someone on how to price their white label work? Yeah. So we, I think we all know, or most of us know that this can get really muddy very quickly. So to kind of like simplify it, I like to think about is that we have three basic choices. Obviously there are more on the table, but I think for like creatives, you know, I think you're going to kind of see these three most often. So you're going to see hourly. So you work this many hours and for each hour that you work, you get paid this much, right? It's kind of like what you do flipping burgers at McDonald's. It's that hourly rate you have per project or like that flat rate. So you fulfill this brief of XYZ and you get paid this flat rate. Then you have value-based pricing. A little bit more complex. Um, that's definitely like almost an entire like podcast dedicated to it alone. <laughs> it's like, that's like, that's a whole other thing. And that's just a way of saying like, okay, so this client wants to like accomplish XYZ in this project. I can deliver those things. And it's like finding that percentage or like finding a number within like what they're going to get on their return in a way of like how much you can get from it. So it's going to end up being like per client. Like I said, it's kind of a whole process. And Chris, um, Chris Doe is, I would say like kind of a leading expert if you want to explore that maybe on like YouTube and go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, his videos are so good. So when offering white label design, what's a common misconception around it? Or what do you think people misunderstand about it? Oh my gosh, there, there's a couple. I recently wrote a blog post on the three biggest ones, but I would say one of the biggest ones is that white labeling hurts your portfolio. And I think it comes from this perception. Okay, if we want to like further our business or further our career, we need to have this like outstanding portfolio full of really great projects. And we can all agree they're super important, 
But because of this, I think we've become a little overprotective of our portfolios. So when we hear the misconception white labeling hurts us because of things like NDAs, then we tend to be like, oh, no, I can't do that. The truth of the matter is that there are a lot of ways to work around legally, even things like NDAs. When you're working white labeling jobs that let's say there are maybe some limitations to what you can publish after, obviously always clarify what those points are with your employer, but you can like take those deliverables and like strip out anything specific. So like take out logos, anything that's going to be copyrighted or trademarked, and you can like still use those designs or those mock-ups. There you go. You still did it. It's just not tying it back to a specific project. You can also ask your employer to show this project like privately during interviews. So if you have like kind of built a portfolio, like an InDesign or Illustrator, and it's like all PDF and beautiful, maybe it's just something that you present privately within closed doors. That's a lot of times something like a way you can get around it legally. And then similarly, you can also like ask for it to be published, but under a password protected page that's only shared with interviewers. I would say another kind of little way you can also like negotiate (laughs) with them is asking to publish the project once the launch is live. This is, I would say is a really good one especially for people who might be working in like lifestyle, fashion, any sort of industry that will just be like the project is kind of under wraps until, you know, their client has announced it publicly. So once it goes public, I mean, there's no sense in like trying to keep it private. It's out there. That's a great way. And then I would say if there's like all else fails, always ask to like list them as someone who was like a client of yours on like your LinkedIn and your resume and always ask for a testimonial or usually what you'll call it is a post-performance review. It builds a lot of credibility and it allows you to present this like strong client list and it gives you really valuable feedback into your performance. So those are a couple ways to like kind of bust that myth. So I would say like 20% of the jobs I have worked in my entire career have ever been like, no, 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 but I'll write your review. And I'm like, okay, cool. At least I got something out of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It sounds like just communicating is yeah. what's important. Like, hey, is this okay? <laughs> yeah. And so aside from those like 20%, I would say roughly the vast majority. So the, you know, the 80% of those gigs I've worked have actually like encouraged me, encouraged me to publish these projects. A lot of times, of course, they're going to be like, well, reference our studio or reference our brand, like where you did it, obviously that boosts their SEO. And it brings more traffic to that project. If anything, it's honestly a win-win. Yeah. I can't see anyone being like, no, we don't want more visibility. (laughs) What's the biggest thing you've learned while white labeling? I would say just ask, (laughs) like, like man up and go ask for the thing. So like, if you're embarrassed for a testimonial or that post performance review, because you're like, I feel like I underperformed and you're being hard on yourself, still go ask. Like I've never had someone say no to giving their feedback, especially if it's like a creative director or a manager of some kind, part of their job, like their job is to manage and provide those types of reviews even for people who are just working there on a freelance temporary basis. They have the eye for that. That's why they're in that position. Ask them. It's valuable. I've felt weird about trying to insert an idea into a conversation or like a sprint. I have to remind myself, like, don't let this project potentially fall short because I couldn't speak up. Find that appropriate time and place to pitch 
the idea. You just got to like go in there and just ask confidence. Mm, I love that. And I feel like it's something that a lot of times we forget. Like it's just so simple. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, it is. And I think like a common kind of track that a lot of creators will take is they'll maybe graduate or they're self-taught and they move into that freelancer white label, white label kind of phase of their career and they're getting all the experience. What happens if the end goal is to own a business? Well, all of that admin work, all of that client facing, like presenting, managing them, hopping on discovery calls, that all, you know, can be like nurtured and all that experience can be gained in white label situations. If you ask for it, say, Hey, can I like pitch to the client? They may say no. And you say, okay. And they may say yes. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm now going to be pitching to like a fortune 500 CEO because I asked and because I had the confidence to ask. Mm, I love that. And it's, it's so true. Like when you ask for something like the worst that could happen is that you're just still in that same position. Yeah. And like, yeah. you've been okay in that position now. So <laughs> I mean, you're still getting paid, right? So I say it's a good right? thing. <laughs> like, I remember when I was interviewing for like a multi-month freelance job at a major name brand. And it would have been one of my biggest contracts, like, like one of my biggest gets to date. And I was like, I was sweating through everything. And it was winter in Boston. So like, I mean everything. I had been kind of like in the, they kind of stacked the interviews on the same day. So as I was getting there, signing in to like their front desk, I saw the person go, the next, the person ahead of me go into the room. So I was like, okay, that's where I'm going. They already went in. I was sitting there in like the little lobby area, just trying to chill myself. <laughs> and I remember like, oh, wow, it's 30 minutes or so. Like this interview is going well. Like, you know, and I think all that doubt starts to creep in, but mm -hmm. I really tried to not let it. And so when I finally got called in and I interviewed how I always do, I didn't let those misconceptions sneak in. I went in with like my normal confidence, some grace, like attentiveness. And within 10 minutes, I was hired. They hired me on the spot. That's and amazing. So it, I, it blew my mind. And it wasn't until my post performance review, always ask for it, you know, when it was emailed in that I discovered from the person who hired me, who was like the creative director of that team, where I found out why I was hired. And it literally was my confidence. They were like, you know, you weren't you know, like cocky or ugly but you held your head high, you, your work spoke for itself. We loved it. Regardless of like any other things, you were confident and you were well-spoken. That's what we want in a person. We can always develop in design or how to ever, you know, better, better all those like little design skills that you're going to pick up no matter what, as long as you're exercising those muscles. But they're like, you walked into that with confidence. We trusted you to be able to like pitch to clients, pitch to the team and insert your ideas because of the way you performed and acted in the interview. And that's why you got hired. That is amazing. I love that story. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure by now, like white labeling sounds really nice to a lot of people. So how would they get started with it? That's a great question as well. Like you can get started by honestly just going out there and applying kind of the Nike, just do it method. Mm -hmm. I will say you're going to be kind of playing catch up once you still get hired because, you know, I have full confidence you guys will get hired. You're going to see like four things that like 90%, 99% of jobs are going to want a polished portfolio. So nowadays they'll ask for like a link to your online portfolio. They'll want a resume. Still kind of traditional. Um, nowadays, some people like myself have even built into their, like my portfolio website, like an actual like digital resume. Um, or you can just like a button that downloads it. 
there's there's cool ways to do that, but they're going to want to see all your previous experience laid out in a clear way that they can kind of see like, okay, they can be trusted. <laughs> they know they know their stuff. They're going to want to know how to get in touch with you. So have like a simple, like free Gmail business account set up. Don't have your childhood. I love Rocky. 88 at gmail.com account. Don't put that on your resume. Like, be cool better. girl, 92. <laughs> yes. My husband actually, his like childhood email has like a couple of misspellings in it. <laughs> oh, so no. I know he purposely like had to set up a whole new account because it was like, you can't, you can't put that on there. <laughs> so have a professional way to get in touch and be prepared for an interview. Sometimes it's in person. Obviously, that's very dependent. And sometimes it's over Zoom. Sometimes it's just a phone call. Practice with a fam- friend or family member, like find an appropriate outfit. Even if it's on Zoom, top half, find an appropriate outfit. And um, like, just be prepared to talk about yourself in your work. Like, I would say those are kind of like those common things. I like to teach that the kind of common pillars to freelancing are organization, how to be able to confidently answer questions like, are you available to take on a 30 hour project next month? How, like, how do you actually go about answering that question? Is organization, right? To your schedule, all the things, pricing. So we talked a little bit about that. I think this is a topic that many of us kind of go blank at as well. And we kind of get sweaty in the palms. You know, we can talk about pricing for lots of, you know, days and days, but be prepared with that. That's a pillar. And the final pillar I like to always say is your portfolio. So your work, you know, be ready to answer questions regarding, you know, how things were done, what programs you use, what problems did you solve, and just make sure it's all organized and beautiful. Amazing. I feel like that was really actionable for people. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Check, check, check. While white labeling, is there anything that you found surprising or that you didn't expect from doing white label design? I honestly didn't expect that my my career would take me to so many different places. I took on freelance jobs that you might see and a lot of us will see on like Facebook or Dribble, you know, all those kind of like online spheres that people post to and you're going to get like, you know, 90 applicants responding to. But once I started working with a recruiter and you know, that's a whole whole other subject, they were able to put me in rooms in interviews that I would have never gotten myself. Working with brands like Converse, Keds, and Saucony. Lots of shoe brands. Still to this day, don't understand how I did that. But <laughs> like, you know, J. Jill and working at like major architecture firms that have like 20 different branches all across the country and like tech firms that you literally need like a palm scan to get to your floor but nowhere else crazy places (laughs) yeah like crazy places all down you know all around boston which is where i primarily freelanced at the time in person and i just didn't expect that like i would be going up 30 floors into a sky rise just to like work on like really cool stuff or to be working on like launches at Keds that you know at the time were like with Kate Spade and being able to like work like work with Kate Spade team members so I would say like be open and like I think it was just really fun and surprising to see all the places I got to go and the projects I got to touch in the teams I truly was just honored to work with so many of these teams and learn from them and just be a sponge in the room it just still to stay kind of blows my mind that I get to list like converse on my resume that's amazing like you don't know where your journey is gonna take you yeah yeah kind of be open to it (laughs) It, it's so true I mean I left college honestly as like C's to get get degrees like that was my motto through college (laughs) like I was not (laughs) I was not dubious (laughs) so you know for I literally honestly had like one teacher in like a post like in a review was like honestly Lizzie the summation of what they were saying was like I'm not gonna 
go too far in this career. <laughs> I had a minor in like outdoor recreation just to fall back on. <laughs> so I was like, if this whole starving artist thing doesn't pan out, I'm just gonna go work in outdoor rec, <laughs> like teach kayaking to teenagers for the rest of my life. Like you said, that idea of like, I didn't expect philosophy of C's get degrees in college to be able to make it to these places, but I was open to it. And I was willing to go for it. And like I said, just ask, I feel so blessed. And I, that would be my encouragement of like, if someone like me who did not graduate with an outstanding portfolio by any means, you can get into those rooms and you can get into those interviews with enough hard work and enough heart. Honestly, just like enough heart. No, love that. <laughs> okay, my final question for you. What are you currently trying to find clarity on? Oh, yes. Yeah. So I have obviously pivoted in my career, mostly away from freelancing and white labeling. I still do some just honestly, because I love I love it <laughs> and I like staying current. I currently run my own business in little studio. Within that studio, I have recently hired a couple designers of my, myself. My current clarity path and something I'm trying to uh, learn is like how to run and manage a team. Very steep learning curve, but I'm thoroughly enjoying the process. That's amazing. I feel like the coolest part about running a business is like, we're always learning something, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, always. Like education is like in any form is never a waste. I think that's what draws us like a certain type of person. <laughs> we don't like to get bored. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Lizzie, for sharing all of your knowledge about this work with people. Find you and like follow along on your journey. I would say Instagram. Um, <laughs> although I'm not the most avid poster, I'm trying to get better at that. I'm always like in my DMs. So I love chatting with people. I love hearing like the good stories and I love hearing the embarrassing stories and pop those into my DMs and I will cry and laugh right along with you. <laughs> it is at White Point Creative and then there's a period so it's like white dot point dot creative that's me and then I also have a whole free workshop all about freelancing that's coming out soon so um that'll go live probably along the same time as this it'll actually be all about the three pillars I mentioned the organization pricing and portfolio it's like a no hold back way of me telling you everything I know all about freelancing in like a more in-depth form. It's not one of those workshops that you'll walk away like, I was just like in this long pitch just to be sold something. <laughs> like <laughs> my goal is for you to walk away with like really actionable, good, juicy stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lizzie. Yes, of course. It was a wonderful chat. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode. I would be thrilled to know if any of this resonated with you. Send me a DM on Instagram at quillandco.design. I can't wait to continue this conversation. And of course, as always, I welcome your feedback on topics to cover going forward. So go ahead, send me a DM on Instagram. I cannot wait to say hi to you.